ex-Twitter security chief faces Senate panel, and the winners and the losers in this year's Gartner Magic Quadrant. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. On Tuesday, the former security chief of Twitter appeared on Capitol Hill to testify about alleged security shortcomings. Anticipation had been building for what Peter Zatko, also known as Mudge, would say beyond the whistleblower complaint he filed last month with the federal government, alleging in part that Twitter's security posture had extreme egregious deficiencies. Joining me to discuss is Matthew Schwartz, executive editor for Data Breach Today in Europe. Matthew, what are the risks posed by the security shortcomings that Zacco has alleged? Well, Zacco has said that Twitter can pinpoint who you are and where you are at any given moment. This has obvious repercussions in repressive regimes or, for example, in parts of the United States where women might be trying to access reproductive health care. But hackers have also taken over Twitter accounts to run scams. In theory, they could also cause mass panic. Twitter functions like a megaphone. And as such, numerous senators said the service has a responsibility to ensure that it's protecting not just users' privacy, but also data security. Here's Dick Durbin, the Democratic senator who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee, opening the hearing. The bottom line is this. Twitter is immensely powerful platform that cannot afford gaping security vulnerabilities. Now, Peter Zatko is, of course, a well-known, revered figure in the field, and he was part of the influential security consultancy at Stake. He helped run cybersecurity programs at DARPA and later Google. In November 2020, he was personally hired by Jack Dorsey, then CEO of Twitter, to fix the company's security problems. But then he was fired in January by Dorsey's replacement. In between, Matthew, what went wrong? In his testimony, Zatko doubled down on some of the deficiencies he alleged in his whistleblowing. What I discovered when I joined Twitter was that this enormously influential company was over a decade behind industry security standards. The company's cybersecurity failures make it vulnerable to exploitation, causing real harm to real people. And when an influential media platform can be compromised by teenagers, thieves, and spies, and the company repeatedly creates security problems on their own, this is a big deal for all of us. When I brought concrete evidence of these fundamental problems to the executive team and repeatedly sounded the alarm of the real risks associated with them, and these were problems brought to me by the engineers and employees of the company themselves, the executive team chose instead to mislead its board, shareholders, lawmakers, and the public instead of addressing them. One of Zatko's big takeaways was this. Executives at Twitter were informed about these security problems, but he alleges they chose to instead prioritize profits. And Matthew, what were the problems? Well, as alleged by Zatko, there were many. He described a company that appeared to be violating the 2011 settlement agreement it signed with the Federal Trade Commission, requiring it to establish and maintain a comprehensive information security program for the next two decades. He also described a problem raised with him by the company's engineers concerning an inability to delete data for users who asked that their accounts be deleted. He further described a lack of logging. About half of the company's employees are engineers, 
amounting to about 4,000 individuals. And they all have access to reams of personal data, but with virtually, apparently, no oversight or monitoring. So among the problems Zadko alleged, in particular in his whistleblowing complaint, was that multiple nations, including China and India, appeared to have agents on Twitter's payroll. Zadko said one executive's response to his concerns about foreign agent infiltration was, well, since we already have one, what's the problem if we have more? And what's Twitter's take on this? So Zadko's whistleblowing and testimony comes at an awkward time for the social network. It's become ammunition for Elon Musk, the founder of SpaceX and Tesla, as he attempts to walk away from his agreement to buy Twitter for $44 billion. The same day that Zadko testified, Twitter shareholders voted in favor of Musk's acquisition. So the Senate Judiciary Committee subpoenaed Zadko to testify. It also invited the current CEO of Twitter, Parag Agrawal, to testify. But Chuck Grassley of Iowa, the committee's ranking Republican member, noted that the CEO had declined to appear. Twitter's CEO has refused to appear today. He rejected this committee's invitation to appear by claiming that it would jeopardize Twitter's ongoing litigations with, with, with Mr. Musk. Many of the allegations directly implicate Mr. Agrawal's and he should be here to address them. So let me be very clear. The business of this committee and protecting Americans from foreign influence is more important than Twitter's civil litigation in Delaware. In conclusion, if these allegations are true, I don't see how Mr. Agrawal can uh, maintain his position at Twitter. So there's obviously no love lost there. Instead of the CEO's testimony, we have a statement from Twitter. In it, a spokesperson dismisses Zatko's allegations, saying the hearing only confirms that Mr. Zatko's allegations are riddled with inconsistencies and inaccuracies. The spokesperson adds that internal access to data is subject to access controls and monitoring and detection systems. And so what happens next? Twitter looks set to see a lot more scrutiny. No doubt the FTC is going to be very interested in Twitter's settlement agreement. The Securities and Exchange Commission could also be looking at whether Twitter has been misleading shareholders. Also, toward the end of the Tuesday hearing, Senator Lindsey Graham said he's writing legislation with Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren to create a new agency to regulate matters such as digital privacy and content moderation. Will this go forward? Will this succeed? Who knows when it comes to Congress and privacy. But another challenge for Twitter is that Musk has launched a legal salvo, arguing that Zatko's separation agreement worth $7.75 million with Twitter was made without his consent or knowledge. He said the company and Zatko executed the agreement on June 28th. At the end of Zatko's hearing, meanwhile, Musk tweeted, my tweets are being suppressed. <laughs> the drama continues. As always, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Anna. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Who were this year's winners and losers, according to Gartner's Magic Quadrant? 
Our business editor, Michael Navinson, says there were big shifts this year as cloud deployments replaced the appliance market. I caught up with him to find out about the latest trends. Well, good to see you, Michael. Gartner has released its Magic Quadrant for Cloud Web Application and API Protection 2022. Who are this year's winners and losers? Anna, nice to see you as well. Big winner this year is Cloudflare. They had been gaining, but outside of the Leaders Quadrant for a couple of years now, and they broke into the Leaders Quadrant for the first time this year, joining Akamai as well as Imperva, who had both been leaders in this web application and API protection space for many, many years now. The losers were a couple of companies who fell down to the niche players mark from the Challengers Quadrant, that being Barracuda and F5, and then ThreadX fell from being a visionary to being a niche player. We're seeing some bifurcation in this market, seeing some clear winners and losers. Gartner this year had three leaders. They had five niche players and then only three in the visionaries and challengers categories combined. So the haves and the have-nots in this market are becoming a lot clearer. And the Magic Quadrant for Cloud Web Application API Protection was in previous years published as the Magic Quadrant for Web Application Firewalls. What triggered the change in this title? So it's a significant change and is a driver behind a lot of the movement is that Gartner made it clear this year that they're not considering appliance-based protection, that they're focused only on cloud protection of web applications. So this hurt a number of the legacy providers, the Barracudas and the F5s of the world who had been delivering these capabilities more through appliances. Cloudflare is a newer company. First time they're even in the quadrant was 2016. They only have a cloud delivery form factor. They don't even do an appliance-based one. So they benefited by bakeries of the quadrant focusing just on cloud delivered at the expense of appliance delivered. And are there any other interesting trends you'd like to highlight? Absolutely. So in terms of the leaders this year, we're seeing a couple different things. And Akamai has really been focused on trying to automate the process. Historically, it's been a lot of manual rule setting for each application, which was a very labor intensive process. And they've been trying to use their visibility across all of their customers to create preset rules for a customer's applications based on the specificity of their environment so that it's less upfront work for the customers. Cloudflare has been focusing on anomaly detection, threat intelligence, as well as client-side security as a newer entrance in the market, just trying to build out that full functionality and get a little bit more depth across all of the components of the market. And then Imperva, who's done a lot historically in that web application market, has really turned their attention more to API security and doing more around API discovery, monitoring, data classification, et cetera, that they want to beef up that side of the practice so it's as strong as what they do around web applications. So we're seeing some big bets from the leaders in this market. The appliance space market is flattened off and is really being driven at this point by renewals. There's not much net new business in the appliance market, but still a lot of growth in the cloud-delivered form factor, is what Gardner was saying, as well as that API security market is certainly growing faster than the web application side. More to come here. Very good. Well, this has been an excellent overview of this year's Magic Quadrant from Gardner. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Anna. And finally, at our recent government summit, our senior vice president of editorial, Tom Field, met with MasterCard's CSO, Ron Green, who shared the cyber threats he expects to see in 2023 and the technologies that can help defend against them. Two cyber threats that I think we should expect to see in 2023. First, still prominent, is unintentional insiders. Um, We have to do more to help educate people on how to do internet hygiene stuff safely. Uh, CIS is doing a great deal of work with multi-factor authentication. That's also another thing that people should just, not for their companies, 
even for their own lives, take advantage of some of those things. Another thing to think about for 2023 is just technologies that are ubiquitous and we all leverage and use. I think we've seen what like a Log4j or just other pervasive vulnerabilities can mean to our environment. I don't think those things were like- They don't, they don't want us. They don't want us. <laughs> we're gonna see those again. I, I think we can do more in exercising at scale. Like we have Cyberstorm where we can tabletop uh, cross sector, but I think we can get to a place where we can actually test companies and infrastructure in a cohesive way. If we had something like a, a national cyber training center, kind of like the army has NTC for taking large units out and testing them, we should be able to take our, 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 our industries and test them. So rather than wait for the worst of worst days. Let's let's go out and try it out and see what we can do. Another thing that I think technology-wise that'll help us is just more of the automation that we're enabling our team members to have. So rather than having our humans have to lever by lever, switch by switch, find an issue and then remediate the issue, the more that we can bring in automation to speed that along so that like our team members can work on the harder things, it's better for the people and it also reduces our reaction time. That's it for the ISMG Security Report. The theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.